Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Shelby, I told you that we were starting the podcast with wolf cries. Oh, How come yeah, you didn't yeah. do a wolf cry? Well, actually, what I wanted was to send you a question about what is podcasting and for you to share your thoughts on like what podcasting is without ever really explaining what podcasting is. Because I think mm-hmm. that would like help people get to know you better. Yes, yes, exact 100%. That's what yeah. the people are looking for. And then I was also going to tell the story about how the first time I ever listened to the podcast that you were on yeah. and how that yeah. impacted me. Well, I would have loved to know your favorite podcast when you were a small child. Mm, yeah. So I mean so many really hard-hitting things that the audience definitely needed, definitely wanted, were craving in this year of COVID. They wanted tiny anecdotes about movies and (laughs) television and first jobs that people had. Content about what you're talking about when you could talk about something else that's not related to what what's currently happening. You know? And do it with no background music, no visual interest, just sort of monotone teleprompter reading but i mean if there is video it should definitely be a handheld camera that's just spinning around the room endlessly yes and filming people who they're like should i look at the camera should i not look at the camera what, yeah, what yeah. am i supposed to look off in the middle distance yeah. or am natural I supposed to stare light you down just the mm-hmm. brightest skylight you can find the better yes yeah exactly because everyone looks best in just yeah. straight up natural <laughs> lighting yeah it's better if you can't way. get fluorescent office lighting natural is the best <laughs> uh well we're talking about the disaster of this year's oscar ceremony which was poor matt horrible on so many different fronts Interesting. Yeah. just like so bad in so many ways it was boring it was meandering it felt like it was 900 years long <laughs> okay Things- okay so wait tell me your dream Oscar like maybe pick and choose different things from different past shows but like what would make you happy I mean so one I love the entertainment factor so like give me some music I mean we know I love a musical number like Mm -hmm. give me some Mm -hmm. music give me some choreographed dancing give me some funny things We've talked about before how I love a montage. Like, give me some montages of of movies, of things. Um, I love to see some clips of the movies that are nominated. (laughs) That's crazy talk. I know. Um, I feel like the things that I'm looking for in awards ceremony are not that hard to find. I feel like usually when we're talking about any of the awards ceremonies that we cover, Mm -hmm. you're sort of more out on them. And I'm like, ah, that wasn't that bad. I kind of thought it was funny. And I kind of, I feel like I'm not that difficult to please. If you just do the normal award ceremony things, like sure, (laughs) some of them are going to land. Some of them aren't going to land. Some of it's going to be a a little awkward. Some of the speeches are always bad. Some of them are good. But this year they really were like, you know, anything that has the potential to be good, we're not going to do it. We're just going (laughs) to really do only the most bland, like, pared down <laughs> things that are possible. Well, let's set the scene because obviously this is the finale on a very long and very strange award season. Yes. Um, in the past, they've been Zoom calls. We had the Emmys. We had the um, Golden Globes all done remotely. So people were, you know, Skyping in in their sweatshirts and in some groups alone and others. Like, it was 
there's a lot going on, a lot of like trying to fill in the gaps. But this one was in person. They had decided <laughs> they they did it at the LA Union Square instead of the Dolby Theater. So they were allowed to have like, you know, these little tables. It felt very much like a awards dinner night. Um, but people were all told to come dressed up. This was a formal event. Um, they sent out an email to nominees that said in actual words, formal is totally cool if you want to go there, but casual is really not. So like <laughs> just quit trying to make sweatshirts happen. Yes. Basically. Sorry, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it, w- they had a whole plan for COVID where guests would be going maskless, but they will be tested before. And supposedly during commercial <laughs> breaks, they also put on masks, which I doubt actually happened. But they were all very wealthy, rich people. So they were probably all vaccinated. A oh, yeah. But um, were you feeling helpful about the about the idea of it being in person and about the people actually being there? Were you excited about this Oscars? Well, I feel like we watched the Emmys, which were mm-hmm. back in the late summer, early fall. And that was sort of one of the first big pandemic shows. And I thought those were very fun, very entertaining. It felt like, yes, there was some glitches along the way. But for something that was put together during COVID, it worked pretty well. And then following that, it seems like every other ceremony has just been worse. (laughs) So I don't know like what they are trying to fix here when the Emmys clearly kind of nailed i think the blueprint Mm. for a COVID show but i was excited because yeah this felt like it was going to be more like a traditional award ceremony where everyone's there every you know it's not like hundreds of thousands of people but the nominees are there people are going up on the stage to give speeches people are you know doing uh wearing fancy outfits and also there was this thing how Okay, all the, the there's going to be a bunch of nominees at, at this station in Los Angeles, but then also we're going to have some stuff at the theater. We're going to have some people in the UK at a certain location, in Paris at a certain location. So it felt like there was a there would be things to kind of like cut to or mm-hmm. or go to. And also they said that there was going to be musical performances. Turns out all of the musical performances were put during the pre-show, so I didn't mm-hmm. see any of them. But <laughs> yeah they were they were there so i don't know i was i was excited going into it because i felt like this is the oscars they're at least gonna like have it halfway decent but steven soderbergh who was the who's a film director and also was the director of the oscars this year for whatever reason decided to make a lot of changes to the traditional ceremony that i don't know if they if it was related to COVID or not related to COVID, why they made all of these changes. I think one of the most obvious was that they really showed hardly any clips from the movies throughout the entire ceremony. They, when they read the nominees, instead of, you know, showing clips of them or like costumes or playing the music or whatever, they just filmed the people sitting in the booth. So like all of the, best film editing nominees were sort of in a couple of booths next to each other. And then when they said their name, they just went, they just filmed the booth of people sitting there. So it was kind of boring. I thought because you were just watching these same people sit in a room for three hours. And then also they had very long 
sort of introduction speeches for lots of the nominees where they would go around and say like, oh, what inspired them or their, you know, what their first job in theater was. Mm -hmm. So it was these long like setups to the awards that I didn't think were very cinematic or very interesting. Like maybe they were (laughs) cool if you were there, but on TV it just felt like pondering. Yeah, I feel like what happened is they decided to screw the little guy and they wanted to do a show for themselves. And I think it was like, instead of them being the butt of any jokes or, you know, them having to like dance monkey dance to entertain us poor folk at home, they just kind of put on an industry style dinner party. It felt like where they just got to gab about each other without having to ever address the audience that put them there. Like, like even with the clips thing, it's like, you know, obviously a lot of film lovers like you have seen everything that came out that year. But part of the fun of the Oscars is either, you know, getting new like recommendations of what to watch or getting to see these clips and be like, oh, that looks good. Oh, that acting looked good. I'll check out that movie. I haven't seen that film before. Like, what do those costumes look like? Or getting behind the scenes stuff about like, you know, how they wrote it or whatever it is. But instead, they just assumed, oh, well, everyone knows these movies. Everyone's seen these costumes. Everyone understands the makeup. Like, we're not going to show any of this to kind of help our audience along because we just want to like talk about ourselves and like look at how far we've come. And I'm sure it was charming in a lot of ways to a lot of audiences because they're like, oh, yes, we love I know these people. We're movie people. We understand. But I feel like it left a lot of us out to dry where we're like, wait, what was the what were these movies that were nominated for best makeup? Like, what did they do again? Like, and also like the visual effects. It's like, oh, I only know like Tenet. What were these other films and why were they nominated? What did they pull off? You know, it's like there was so many opportunities to kind of highlight the things that draw the general people to the audiences but instead they're like no let's like keep it close keep it tight and we'll just talk about ourselves for three hours well because if you were a viewer who hadn't seen some of these movies you wouldn't even know what they're about oh, you know yeah. they're talking about the father nomad land but they're not showing clips of them so it's like you you don't is it an outer space movie is it a western is it a yeah. quiet drama like you have no gauge on what this is and i felt like Going into this year's Oscars, okay, movie theaters have been shut down basically for over a year now. Like, yes, they're open or kind of have been in certain areas, but there's not really any big movies coming out. Yeah. So I felt like this was the perfect opportunity for all of these Hollywood people to be like, hey, remember movies? Remember how much you love going to the movies? Yeah. Theaters are opening back up. All of these movies that you're hearing about tonight are probably in theaters right now if you want to go see them. And also, there's going to be a lot more big movies that are coming out in the next couple of months. Like, let's celebrate cinema. Let's celebrate theater going. Let's try to get like rah, rah, get these people. (laughs) feeling like I want to go back to the theater I want to support this industry I love going to the movies and really nobody talked about that at all for most of the night and there was never sort of like a cinematic sense about this like we weren't Mm. seeing clips there wasn't you know a big dance number where they're talking about like (laughs) this year at the movies we weren't hearing jokes about the movies it was very like bland yeah it was very dry I think I 
I was fine with it in a lot more ways than you were. Like I, I don't need the like kitschy dance number every time. Um, I did miss the opening monologue of like dragging the, <laughs> the but there weren't even the, the butt, best but... song performance. Like there was nothing yeah. that broke up giving the awards. There was nothing. Yeah, no, it was. It did become a. It did start to feel long, and I definitely missed the clips. I think that was a huge, a huge tactical error because even just when they showed like the animated shorts, I was like, oh, wow. Like I've never heard of this movie or like, what the F is that? How is that nominated? (laughs) And I feel like I'm way more curious to watch Wolf Walkers now than if they had just said, oh, Wolf Walkers lost to soul, of course. So it's like, why did they choose to do the things they did? I don't know. I think they could have done sort of a marriage of both in a really natural way, but instead they really just wanted to hone in on this sort of getting to know you aspect, which I think works more if the audience cares about the person. And maybe that's rude to say, but like, I don't remember any of the fun facts from the people who were nominated for sound editing oh, yeah. or whatever, but I would have been way more interested to see the work they pulled off in the movies they were nominated for. And I think they did a disservice to those films by not highlighting the the like skill and the work that went into that like you know those uh the sound the editing the costumes the makeup like all those smaller things where we could have been served with a little visual cue about what we were talking about. Well, and if you wanted to do something that did celebrate these filmmakers, you could have easily put together a really nice video package because <laughs> Like Matt's okay. just admitting he's a visual learner, guys. Well, like, <laughs> but like let's let's just go through the first set of awards that they gave out. So Regina King opens the show. She like comes she comes in, sort of gives like a little bit of a speech about what the like what's happening and like the COVID regulations and stuff. But but it's not it's not she's not doing jokes. It's not a dance number. Like it's really nothing. She's just like there. And then she goes right in to present the first awards, which are for best original screenplay and best adapted screenplay. For each screenwriter for those movies, she is like reading off sort of an anecdote while the camera pans to them in their booth. Mm-hmm. So it is long she is doing a (laughs) lot of reading like i bet she talked for five or six minutes straight in that first opening thing because first she comes in and she welcomes everybody then she gives sort of the instructions then she gets into these screenplay things she's reading off like the names of the movies the names of the screenwriters what their job was or how they got in or whatever the fun fact was that she was sort of like reading off about them Mm -hmm. regina king is a very talented woman she's a very talented actress but reading large quantities of dialogue from a teleprompter is a hard skill to sort of like make interesting. (laughs) So as good as she was, you know, there's like awkward pauses. She's stumbling over her word. You know, it's like there's, it's, it's unnatural in a way that you could have taken the exact same script and had her like pre-record it and have it read over, you know, some like clips mm-hmm. of the screenplay or something. And it would have worked a lot better. And she could have done her Regina King thing and really like nailed the delivery on this. Mm-hmm. Instead, she's doing it live to a room full of people. And it's kind of awkward. Yeah. And for two whole categories, she does this for screenplay right off the bat. And also screenplays sometimes are written by like five or six people. So yeah. she's having to read off all of this information about these writers who none of us know. Yeah. It was just very, it 
if you were trying to come up with a way like, okay, let's say there's people who are like, oh, honey, the Oscars are on tonight. You want to watch? Let's turn them on. Like this was not the way to start a show <laughs> to get anybody to keep watching because I was bored and yeah. I'm interested and I have seen all these movies. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very damning. But um, I did feel like, yeah, it was just kind of, it sort of started to feel more and more like you were watching a a board meeting or something like yes. a very industry specific meetup. It kind of felt like, like my office once COVID is like, you know, it started to feel more normal. They had like a welcome back seminar. We all had to zoom into and it's like, you're watching people give talks about what we've overcome and, and it's all just like, well, okay, who is this for? This isn't that fun, but I guess we're just <laughs> having to acknowledge the moment, the strangeness, but it did feel kind of like, I don't know, wasteful because there was a moment like at the two and a half hour mark where they finally did a bit where your favorite um, little rel came out yes. and he did a, like a musical jokey bit where he went around and engaged with the audience. And it's like, to me, that was a moment they could have included, not necessarily to take up time, but if they're going to, if they're going to talk about these people so endlessly as they wait to announce who wins, then why weren't they like interacting with them? Because there was a moment where, Laura Dern was able to address specifically um, Daniel Kaluuya as she was talking about his category. And I felt like that was a nice moment because it was so intimate. It was they you saw them both like looking at each other face to face as she gave this like nice compliment to him. And it was like, OK, like if you're going to have Regina King read off five minutes of script talk, like why can't she go and like talk to them like face to face like interact with them and they're all like oh we're COVID free here so it's like there was room to make it more engaging but instead it just felt like yeah just reading from a teleprompter with no visual <laughs> breakup for us for still yeah. sitting at home yeah and so they were so they just basically went straight through the awards there was two like humanitarian awards they gave out which I don't think they normally give out at the ceremony or mm. i don't know like so there were those that were also fairly straightforward and unexciting really <laughs> there was nothing strange or a, there was nothing in the program other than just like reading nominations giving out awards until you got to like the very very end <laughs> In which they do this strange Lil Rel comedy bit where he goes around and sort of asks like musical trivia to the uh, like people who are sitting around there. And then in something that must have been pre-approved, Glenn oh, yeah, Close they... knows this random song and then gets up and does this no, weird dance called Debut. Yeah. It's like, it's <laughs> like, okay, clearly she knows what's going on here. And that just felt so strange because at that point, there was only three awards left. We'd sat through two and a half hours of boringness. It's like, now you're bringing out this weird comedy I thought bit. it was like, charming. I mean, I sort of liked it too, but I was like, where was this the rest of? Yeah, it just no, felt it was, so out of it place. Was strange, yeah. And it did make me miss like having a host. Like it was like, yes. yeah, it was just nice to see <laughs> human beings engage with human beings. And um that's hard to do, obviously, in COVID times. And a lot of these presenters would just come out and do their bit and leave because, you know, social distancing, whatever. But it did feel like there was a missed opportunity to pepper that sort of thing throughout the awards and kind of 
trim the fat on some of these getting to know you segments because they could go on. Okay. Like we joked at the beginning, but the director's one really (laughs) just was a huge eye roll situation for me because I mean, first of all, you had um, Bong Joon-ho who did the introduction with his beloved interpreter and he's charming as ever, but he asked each director to explain what directing was as if a child came up and asked. And these <laughs> these answers were just the most pretentious load of nonsense. It was like, I think it's when you your soul leaves your body and you you transition. It's just like nonsense. It was just like artistic nonsense. And I was like, each director got like two minutes to talk about oh, what directing means without ever really addressing the facts. And I just was like left annoyed by everyone involved in it. Well, and I mean, not to sort of be rude too, but I felt like with this and then with another nomination later, it's like they, so Bong Joon-ho speaks Korean. So he is reading, so he asks them to write their responses and then he is reading off their responses in Korean. So Mm -hmm. it's like, if they wanted to do this and have these, uh, you know, five directors like write their whatever, I feel like it would have made more sense to have them record a reading of themselves doing it because mm-hmm. instead you just got like two straight minutes of Bong Joon-ho reading what other people wrote in Korean, which again is fine, but it was sort of like... <laughs> Matt, you need to get over your hatred of the two-inch uh, subtitles because I once know. you do, you'll be able to enjoy it so much more. I was I was just like th- cinematically for this event this like so, like there are other <laughs> ways that you could do this exact same thing that I feel like would work better and then the same thing happened later when okay where is it when Marley Matlin who is a deaf actress was was doing um nominations so she's like so, doing sign language signing mm-hmm. the nominees and then there is an interpreter whose voice you can hear mm-hmm. but instead of film it instead of keeping the camera on her who's doing the (laughs) sign language they then cut to show the nominees so (laughs) now it's just this random interpreter's voice we hear marley matlin doesn't even need to be there because he's just Mm. reading off the nominee and he's not famous it's like she's the one who we want to see she's the interesting person if you're gonna have her there to be doing sign language like then let's show us the sign (laughs) language don't just like have this random material. I don't know. I I just felt like so many things in this telecast were like not thought out correctly. Mm-hmm. Like somebody had an idea and nobody at any point was like, wait, let's sit down and think about what this actually looks like if we run this through in real time. Because <laughs> there, it just didn't make sense. And like you said, like the visual effects nominees, we're not going to show any clips. We don't know what the visual effects look like. The score nominees, we're not even yeah. going to play snips of the scores <laughs> while we're going through the nominees. It's like, yeah. There have been previous Oscars where they've had a whole orchestra come out and play clips of the scores, you know, like as a separate musical thing. And in this, we don't get any of it. So you have no idea what you're rooting for unless you watch all these movies, remember all of these scores, which you don't. And yeah. and that's what you're bringing to it. Because even years where I've seen everything, it's like when they play the score, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that song was in that. Like, that was a good score. Nope. No recognition at all. <laughs> this whole thing was just disastrous. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the no time limit on Oscar speeches? I also hated that. <laughs> the so Yeah, basically none of the nominees got time limits. 
I think because they cut all of the extra stuff, this ceremony honestly wasn't that long. It was only a little bit over three hours. Mm-hmm. But it felt like eons because every <laughs> because there wasn't anything interesting happening. But all the nominees, they could just stand up there and talk for forever. They were never played off. They were never, you know, sort of like ushered to the side of the stage which in one hand you think like okay that's that's fine because there's always speeches that seem to be really good that kind of get cut off what this taught me is that it's more likely to have a bad speech that's already bad go long than to have a good speech be cut off because the couple people who gave i felt like strong speeches were the people who got up there and gave them quickly and sort of had that moment that like momentum that you usually have at the Oscars because you're like, I got to get this out. I got to say something succinctly because I know that music is coming. The people Mm -hmm. who got up there and were sort of at ease and just rambled, I thought were mostly the worst. And you would sort of be like, (laughs) okay, I think they're done. And then they say, oh, and also I'd like to thank, and they'd move into a whole nother category of people (laughs) that they wanted to thank. They were not taking the extra time to say things that were interesting or support causes or, you know, make statements. They were taking the extra time to just, like, thank more random people, which is not what you want. I'd say the one exception was the um, grandmother from Minari whose speech was very funny and sort of rambly, but, like, in a very fun way. And she really wasn't thanking people so much as just, you know, like, talking about things up there. But (laughs) I don't know. Did you like the long speeches? I wasn't, I was, I guess I was fine with them not being played off. I think that's safer to do. And I, I feel like we get just as many bad, like duds in a normal year. So I was like, well, I guess this proves that we don't need to bother with playing people off. But should we get into the, uh, the winners? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> do you want to just go through them in order or do you want to like. Yeah, let's do it in randomly? order. So first up was this uh, Best Original Screenplay, which yeah. went to uh, Promising Young Woman, Emerald yes. Fennel. And I, yes, that was a great opening win. Her speech was a little long, but <laughs> it was a good, uh, it was good. I was happy. And I think that was sort of what people thought would happen. So I was into yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, just to, to set people up, um, Matt and I completed the Oscar uh, predictions and I predictably did bad because I did not care this year at all. And I got 10 out of 23 correct and Matt got 16 out of 23. So I feel like that's a fair average for you. Do you feel like you you did worse than usual? I think I did fine. Yeah. I, I was at sort of like a small get together of friends watching this. And so we had the things. And for the first like eight categories or something, I had got them all right. And then in the back half, it was just a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry for your pain. But so okay. this was one we were both right on. We were excited for her to win this. And um, I, I enjoyed that one. It made me hopeful for what was to come. Yes. Then they did Best Adapted Screenplay, which The Father won, which, again, I think I predicted this, didn't I? Yeah, I didn't see it, so. Well, the thing was is that the nominees were super strange. It was like Borat, which wasn't really a script, necessarily. Uh, One Night in Miami, which was a play. Nomadland, which, again, was sort of like an unscripted thing. And then The White Tiger, which wasn't... um, you know, which got no other nomination. So I sort of felt like by process of elimination, it was going to be the father because it was the only screenplay that was like actually screenplay uh-huh. for a movie that like was getting nominations. Right. What did you pick? 
I think I did Nomadland because I just I remember you being so gaga about it. I thought it would win everything. Uh, I mean, I do love Nomadland. <laughs> I I do. At the whatever at some point they did show a clip of it. I can't remember for what category, and I was like, ah, oh, this movie. But mostly <laughs> it was no clips. And um, for best actress, isn't that when they did video clips as best and actor and actress? Because they also showed the clip of Carrie Mulligan spitting into the, or maybe it was, was best picture. I think that was best picture okay. because I think, yes, because when they showed that clip, I was like, this would have been a great clip to show for Carrie Mulligan, but they, <laughs> but then they didn't. Yeah. Anyways, um, continuing on. <laughs> next, it was best international feature, which went to another round. Yeah. Which again was the predicted one. That was the movie about the teachers getting speech. drunk in Denmark. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did not know anything about it, and you never spoke about it. So thanks a lot. I lost that one. Oh, um, I'm sorry. But he gave a very nice speech, and it was very sad. And um, I guess his daughter had died right before filming started, and so then he dedicated the win to her. And it was very, it was a very charming speech. And reminds you of the nice speeches that the Oscars can have. Yeah, because both of the screenplay speeches were a little like, meh, okay. Um, <laughs> then we got Best Supporting Actor, which Daniel Kaluuya won. And this was this was one of the better speeches of the night. He <laughs> well, was he very rambled. funny. Yeah, he <laughs> rambled, but like in an entertaining but way. But they would have played him off is what I'm saying. You can't pick and choose who gets played off, Matt. Yeah. You either have to take it or leave it. But I th- like, yes, we would have lost something if he had gotten played off, but also... <laughs> It would have trimmed it down, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, no, this is the one where he started kind of serious and was talking about all of it with his movie. And then suddenly he's like, but I'm going to celebrate. Like, I'm going to party tonight. And he's like, yeah, we need to celebrate life. Isn't it crazy? My mom met my dad. They had sex. It's amazing. <laughs> and it was and they just, cut to the mom yeah. and she's like, Wah. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty funny. And um, I think he was just caught in the moment. He didn't even realize like what he was saying. And when he got backstage, people, of course, were like, do you regret that? Like, why did you say that? And he's like, oh, is that going to be like a thing? Like, is that going to live on? (laughs) And then he like realized backstage, like he's like, oh, I really shouldn't have said that. And he like cursed to his friend and was like, it was pretty funny. (laughs) It's unfortunate that that's what he'll be remembered for. But it was a pretty funny moment. Also, I just want to touch down and say, Lakeith Stanfield, who was also nominated in this, ha- had an amazing outfit, yeah. I thought. Yeah, no, he looked good. It was like the red carpet of it all was kind of disappointing just because, I don't know, there weren't as many stars and and it was I, there weren't as many like looks served. But when they came, they, they went hard. And I think Lakeith was a good example of that. Yeah, yeah. There was there was not there wasn't as many just random people because also with the yeah. presenters it was like there was only one presenter for each category and most of the presenters presented for a couple categories yeah. where usually you get the two which I think was another thing that this was missing because sometimes <laughs> the presenters do like funny little banter. You or want we, more bits? We get it. We had You're none like, of bring that. Bring on the flu shots. I want that again. You know <laughs> a- anything? Truly, G- give me the tour bus. Walk the people the parading the in theater. there. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, I loved that bit. And and they were like shooting hot dogs out of the gun. And then somebody <laughs> in the theater had been smoking pot beforehand, so they were like, yeah. "This smells." <laughs> Uh okay. Then we had best makeup and hairstyling, which went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah. Um and also best costume design went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which were both I think I got those correct as well. 
Those yeah, were... I, I choked on, I think costuming, I said Emma, because I feel like people are so basic, but it was a mistake. <laughs> <sighs> oh, Shelby. Oh, Shelby. I know. I, I couldn't give you all the so answers. Quickly. Well, <laughs> that's the thing is I had yours, but I was like, I'm not going to look at Matt's because that's cheating. Like he's did way more work than I did. <laughs> well, also then what? You just have the same answers as me for all of them. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, we tied. It's like these, these yeah. charts are suspiciously <laughs> similar. Uh, then we got a weird humanitarian award where Brian Cranston like was in a, a cocktail room with like a bunch of people who worked on a television fund or they were <laughs> essential workers. I don't know what they were. I was like, what is this next? <laughs> oh, man. And then we had best director where everybody talked about what it meant to be a director. And yeah. Chloe Zhao won that for Nomadland, which again, yes. we had thought would happen. Yeah, she did. She had a great moment. She looked good and happy and surprised and that's always fun to see and then she was played off to a really weird song um Questlove was just up to something I don't know it was it was so random the songs he chose but it was a nice moment it it bode well for her so and you know she's unfortunately the only she's the first woman of color and the second woman of all time to ever win so (laughs) progress It was sort I I was also frustrated by the f- way that they ordered the categories because oh, usually yeah, best no director sense. is later in the show and then also we'll get to it but best picture wasn't the last <laughs> one and I feel like it was a very big deal that Nomadland yeah. won best picture and that she won best director those were two huge accomplishments and yeah. I felt both of them were sort of robbed of the momentum because they were put at weird places in the in the lineup, like yeah. if it if we'd gotten to the end of the night and Chloe Zhao had won like two giant awards back to back, and then the telecast had ended, that's what you would remember. But instead, it's like you barely remember that she won anything because it happened, you know, in the middle of a bunch of other things. Yeah, no, it was very like random. It it felt disorganized the way they chose to line things up because it didn't really have any rhyme or reason. Um, then we got best sound, which went to Sound of Metal. Which, yes. again, we were like, okay. Which is a good film, so people should check it out. I really did enjoy it, and I wish that they'd shown more of it because it was a movie I resisted watching at first because I just thought it would be something totally different than it ended up being. And so it was I good. Know. Well, and then we got to Best Live Action Short <laughs> where I was like, again, we could have used some clips in here because nobody has any idea what any of these are. Yeah. Because... Like, who watches the shorts? I mean, I did, but otherwise, nobody did. But your favorite, Two Distant Strangers one. So that was exciting. And this was also a very good speech and a very short speech. I was like, Mm -hmm. congratulations. You guys are doing this correctly. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was was good and exciting. Um, I did get that one right. So props to me. Um, That was like one of the few that you guessed wrong and that I guessed right. So (laughs) yeah, and it just went downhill from there for me. (laughs) Then it was best animated short. Did that go to If Anything Happens, I Love You? Yeah. Yeah. Which, again, I had no idea about any of these movies, but I think this is one where they sort of talked about the movies in their, in the, like, fun fact about each of the creators. And I was like, well, what is the movie about? Like, they were like, oh, he pulled from his life as a, as the son of an opera singer, like, to make this. And I was like, well, what, what did he pull? Like, what happened? (laughs) It was like frustrating that I didn't get more details about the movie, but I just got some weird tease that didn't quite um, 
make sense. Like didn't quite capture me. Well, and also the best animated shorts, the Mm. animation is all so weird and different and cool because they're just these short films. It's not like Disney Pixar or whatever. And so I think it would have been neat for people to see what these actually looked like because they were very different styles than stuff that we normally see. So I don't know. But if anything happens, I love you, I think was the best. So I was glad that that won. And not Burrow, which was, I think, the one that most people saw because it was on Disney (laughs) Plus. And it was about like a rabbit. Oh, we know how you feel about animals. So (laughs) I know. I wish the rabbit got eaten by a shark, but sadly it didn't. (laughs) Uh, Then we had Best Animated Film, which went to Seoul. And this, this one, they did show clips of. Yeah. And it was like, finally, we're getting some clips. Disney man. Pixar was like, you will promote this. Elon Musk was like, I'll give you a million dollars to yeah. show some of these clips and also put me on SNL. <laughs> then Marley Matlin came out to not be seen doing sign language <laughs> to do the best documentary short, which went to Colette, which was which was good. I think I got this wrong, but Colette was yeah. fine. It was a documentary about a woman who is visiting a concentration camp where her brother was killed like 50 or 60 years ago. And... It's very, it's sad, but the char- the woman, Colette, is very, is a very striking character. So, like, watching her do these things was very interesting. So, I, mm. I, I thought that, I thought the film was very good. And then, for Best Documentary Feature, we got to My Octopus Teacher, which <laughs> was the worst of the five nominees and really served no purpose. I gotta say, I, I mean, I was, I was happy with the win, but I was confused about who was accepting the award and why they kept talking, and, and they didn't even mention the octopus, so I was like, okay, what's happening right now? <laughs> yeah, because I was like, wait, neither of these people is that man who was... Yeah. Under the water. And I was like, wasn't he the one who made the movie? He was the one <laughs> underwater with the octopus the whole time. Yeah. So I don't, I guess directing means editing. I don't know. Like, what did they do? And they did it together, but they did it for three years. Like, I was, I was confused. And their, the their camera, speeches didn't help. It wasn't like someone else was swimming next to him with a camera, right? The no. camera he was holding. Yeah. Or it was strapped on him. Yeah, I thought so. I'm fairly certain. Weird. Bonkers. <laughs> Next, we have yeah. uh, Best Visual ve- Effects, which went to Tenet. So now we have Oscar winner Tenet. Yeah, I mean, with that lineup, like, what what else is going to win, you know? <laughs> yeah, Love and Monsters, which honestly maybe should have won. Mulan, Midnight Sky, and the one and only Ivan, which was honestly one of the worst movies I've seen this year. <laughs> that I saw that after we did our ranking last week, but that would have been bottom of the barrel. It's like <laughs> Brian Cranston in the owns a mall that also has a zoo in it and there's a gorilla that lives in the zoo that's like a painter. Oh, it's terrible. I feel like I vaguely remember a trailer. I think it's based on a book, so maybe you read that at some point in your <laughs> 700 books last year. Then Brad Pitt came out and yes. gave best supporting actress Young Jun Un gave a yes. great speech. Um, she was very charming. It was very sweet. And she sort of teased Brad Pitt for mispronouncing her name. And I hope I did it right because I, I wanted well, to get he, it right. <laughs> he pronounced it He pronounced it differently when he was reading the nominees and then when he yeah. announced her as the winner. I guess both times were wrong. And then he also <laughs> got Maria Bakalova's name incorrect. So it's like he mispronounced two of the five nominees and one of them twice. Uh, yeah. But he had a ponytail, so Twitter forgave him. 
what was the ponytail though for? I was like, is this just a personal choice or are you in a movie or something? No, oh, I mean, he has always had like long hair. I thought it's like always usually been his vibe. But he looks better with short hair. Okay, yeah. Bring it up with Twitter, Matt. I don't know what you want me okay. to say. <laughs> okay, whatever. Uh, best production design went to Mank. <laughs> what a snooze fest. Honestly, I I have zero interest in watching Mank, but the fact that that won, I think... I'm like, why? Tell me why, Matt. I don't think you even predicted that this would win. I think Mank won best production design because Mank was the most expensive movie in this lineup. And production design is like set building and Mank built all these big sets. So I honestly wasn't that surprised that it won that. But then Mank also won cinematography. Oh yeah, that was that was a weird And I was one. like, why to win this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it would have helped convince me if they'd shown clips, but I'm like, okay, the one thing Nomadland had going for it was cinematography. Right. MHL. Exactly. Exactly. So and then what one film editing? Uh, Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's right. Which, Which was good. Yeah. Love, love Sound of Metal. Then we got another humanitarian award for Tyler Perry, which yeah. like... Bless his heart. Megan Markle's fine. fairy godmother. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then we got Best Original Score, which again, we didn't hear, but they gave the award to Soul, so... Yeah, you selected that. Why did you know that? I was that was when I was weirded out by it because Minari had such a beautiful score and a memorable score and I felt like Soul just didn't. That was one of those ones that I feel like has just like Soul won all of the other awards for this. Mm. So I, see. I it was just sort of like in the ether that it was going to win this. So I, I wasn't surprised, but I don't I don't know why. That's just you know <laughs> you did your homework right. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> Then we did best original song, which honestly this was shocking because <laughs> the winner was uh Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah that her sang yes. H-E-R. And I feel like there were multiple narratives here that you could have worked with. Like Diane Warren, I think, has been nominated twelve times, wrote this song for the life ahead. She was nominated. It's kind of a weak category this year, so you think, okay, maybe she's gonna win. Leslie Odom Jr., who people love, writes a song for One Night in Miami. He's also nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but you probably aren't going to, but he's probably not going to win for that. So you think, okay, well, maybe he wins. Eurovision Song Contest is really the only song that's actually in the movie. The rest of these are just credit songs. So you think, okay, well, maybe that wins. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm unclear what the narrative was that people like this song by her, other than maybe the song was just really good. I think it's more the like movie. Judas and the Black I think Messiah. They're like, oh, we've got to give Judas and the Black Messiah some love. I guess that's what I. But thought. what about Eurovision Song Contest? Nobody <laughs> felt like they needed to give that. No one, love? no one in that room wanted Eurovision to be an Oscar-winning film. No one in that room. Look, they gave an Oscar to Suicide Squad, and <laughs> this was right before they made Glenn Close do the butt dance. So. <laughs> Honestly, Eurovision winning an Oscar would have been right at home in this section of the yeah. evening. I mean, this is one where they did show clips and seeing Will Ferrell pop up at the very end was pretty, <laughs> pretty jarring. It, it was wild. It was fun. I'm glad that we at least got to hear a snippet of these songs, though, because I was like, thank the Lord. Yeah. Okay, then we got to the literal weirdest part of the whole ceremony. Like, yeah. so many of these choices were ill-advised, but you can sort of see why they made them. The In Memoriam, 
I don't know who was in charge of this. They picked Stevie a song Sandberg. by Stevie Wonder called As, which was very like upbeat and peppy. sort of like peppy. They ran through these slides like it was no one's business. Yeah. It was like when you're at a meeting for work and someone's like, oh, can you go back to that slide? And they like have to really quick click back <laughs> through like 40 slides to get to some chart earlier. That's yeah. what the in memoriam felt like. They were just cruising through them and there was nobody performing with it. You know, usually it's like they bring out Billie Eilish and she sings some sad song while they show these things. But no, they just went through it. And also they didn't show any clips from anything <laughs> in here. It was just like, like where are the cards. Clips? It was just like cards with faces, cards <laughs> with faces, but they were different times. It was, they weren't like in sync with the music. There were some that were faster and some that were slower. One of, one of Scott Rudin's uh, assistants put it together. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, who put this together? This makes no sense. It was so yeah. stupid. Well, and I was, was like, these are dead by, people. It was prefaced by Angela Bassett giving a really moving, like, um, sad speech about, like, oh, not only have we lost people in our industry, but also, like, 300 million Americans died. And on top of that, like, people are being killed by cops every day and, like, gun violence. And and it was like, oh, yeah, that's really sobering. And then suddenly this song started playing and it was like, <laughs> it was really energetic. I was like, okay, I mean, I guess, I guess like not every sad song has to be like, you know, slow, but this doesn't feel exactly like, I don't know, uh, honoring of any of these people who I can't read their names fast enough. It's like, and now the in memoriam. And the player's gonna play, 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 play. And the haters gonna hate, hate, hate. It's like, they're just clipping through these people. And also this year had a lot of big names. And they were were gone so fast from that screen. (laughs) R.I.P. No, I mean, I think they should do away with in in memoriam. Because I feel like every year they miss someone. Every year someone's upset about it. Every year they're like, we have more people on our website. Please don't be mad at us. And it's just like put them on your website and call it good because I don't know what this is serving. Like, I really don't think there's been a positive experience with the in memoriam that people have like been like, wow, I'm so glad that happened. I mean, but it is a tribute to these people who have spent their whole life working in this industry. So it's like, I, I get it. And I like the in memoriams because you are like, Oh, Christopher Plummer. You know, Carl Reiner, like these people who you recognize from things. And I think that if I had spent my entire life being a director and then passed away, like it would be nice to have some kind of recognition of that. But at the same time, (laughs) well, yeah, okay, yeah, but no one's checking the website, Shelby. (laughs) I just think, I think it causes more trouble than it ever seems worse. That's just what I'm saying. Maybe they should do what they do with the Super Bowl, uh, ads and release like a seven minute version of the in memoriam (laughs) like a week before that has everybody and is you know very nice clips and takes its time and then they show an abbreviated version at the ceremony Mm, i guess i just i stand by what i said i i really think it should just go okay well you hate dead people whatever (laughs) You want an immemorium for that stupid octopus, but not for yeah. any of these titans of industry. I see. Yeah. Okay. Another baffling choice. Well, maybe not so baffling because I think we know why this happened. But it's usually, baffling. yes, usually they go 
Best Actor and Actress, and then Best Picture is last. This year, they switch it up right after the In Memoriam. Rita Moreno comes out and is like, Best Picture. And I was like, wait, did I miss? Did I Was I in the bathroom for Best Actor? Like, yeah. But no, they just switch the order. Very which, weird. Yeah. I think that Nomadland has been winning Best Picture over and over and over again this entire time. So I think that wasn't as shocking i mean and it will win best picture here so i wonder if the producers were sort of like hey best actress has been a shit show this entire season like anyone truly could win that so that's very interesting and then chadwick boseman will probably win best actor and that will sort of be a very moving speech so maybe let's put those two things last to keep people watching i don't think it had anything to do with best actress i don't think it had anything to do with nomadland being boring i think a hundred percent was that they thought chadwick boseman was gonna win and they wanted to like have that buzzy moment and i find it really not cool like i i think it was a horrible choice especially because of what ended up happening but also it just never would have felt right it felt so forced and kind of thirsty for attention and and it didn't seem like necessary like you can honor chadwick boseman were he to win two categories before while still honoring the films that were made and whatever would be nominated as best picture that has always been the finale because it 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 captures you know the best like that's the point of the oscars and it felt so so unfair that they would do it and i think it was poetic justice that it backfired so magnificently oh yeah it was when when we figured out the best actor was going to be last. I said, watch Gary Oldman win this and have it just be so frigging awkward. <laughs> um, you know, and then, of course, Anthony Hopkins goes on to win, which but it was even more awkward. But the thing with Best Picture is like, okay, or, well, and with Chadwick Boseman, it's like, I remember the year that Heath Ledger won for The Joker. Mm-hmm. And I remember when Chadwick Boseman won at the Golden Globes, you know, a couple months ago. Yeah. It is very moving and very, I don't know, sort of heartbreaking to watch someone who's passed away's loved one receive the Oscar. Like, it is a mm-hmm. moment, but it is not a fun moment, necessarily. <laughs> and it's not something that makes you feel good. Like, in some ways it does, but this person's passed away. Yeah, it's not celebratory, right? Right. It's not, it's like not celebratory. The big finale. The, it's yeah. not what you want to end on. It's going to be sad. Where Best Picture is a celebratory moment. Because when you win Best Picture, the whole cast and crew gets up there on the stage. It's lots of people. It's very exciting. And what was weird is like, so they announced that Nomadland wins. All the Nomadland people go up there and stand on the stage, which is like fun. But then they all have to like shuttle them all off. They have to put Frances McDormand back in her seat because we still have two more awards to give out. It was just yeah. the whole the whole energy of it was so strange. Yeah. And again, this was right after debuts and then the uh, happy go lucky in memoriam. So really, we were like freewheeling yeah. by this third hour. Yeah, and then Frances McDormand won for best actress, and um, so she went back on stage and and was just you know her strange little self and just was like, look, guys, we should have done a karaoke bar. Lynn, Leslie Odom Jr. is here. Why didn't we do this? 
peace out and it was just like okay oh no she said my my voice is my sword and my sword is my work and you know what i mean goodbye (laughs) i was like okay thank you and that was the last speech of the night because then it went to best actor you know they had us all geared up for the for the crying fest and then (laughs) joaquin phoenix can barely bring the energy to read these cards and is finally like the oscar goes to uh um the father dang it i forgot his name why anthony am i hopkins. so bad with names yeah anthony hopkins won but he wasn't even in attendance nor was he like at the you know british theater or wherever they were doing it because he's like 80 some years old and <laughs> yeah. was like it's covid i'm not going out and also i'm not going to win anyways it's going to yeah. be chadwick so like why would i put myself in this risk <laughs> But so then they just flash a picture up on screen and Questlove's like, well, have a great night. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, it was so and that's weird. It. it was just like brutally awkward. And I feel like it was, it obviously didn't like match some of the more horrific moments in Oscar history, like the Moonlight snafu, but it did just feel like, ugh, you guys tried to pull this stunt that would have been so insincere if you'd succeeded. Mm-hmm. But now you just showed your whole ass to like the world. And we're just left with this like weird taste in our mouth after an already like, you know, slow moving show. Yes. Yeah. It was also strange that Anthony Hopkins and Francis McDormand won because <laughs> both yeah. of them had won previously. Like they are both very good in their movies, but the Oscars aren't normally about like, okay, let's give the award to necessarily like the best person in this movie. There's lots mm-hmm. of weird like, oh, well, it's a narrative. Oh, they already won. Oh, it's their time, blah, blah, blah. And I don't understand why they wouldn't have given best actor to Chadwick Boseman, who is such a, like, I think people were like, ah, Chadwick's going to win. I'll throw a vote for Anthony Hopkins. No, like, I think it's why? all the, I think it's all the like old timers in the Academy who felt like pressure to vote for Chadwick Boseman and they didn't want to. And like, that's fine. But I also think it does just speak to the continued problem of representation where this show is more than willing to trot out its famous black people as presenters and to give speeches and to be like, look, we're so woke. Yeah, we're anti-gun violence. Like, you know, all this stuff throughout the show. But then when it comes to these categories, they still like, you know, they just favor... (laughs) Uh, uh, the white people and and the and then on top of that they did manage to squeak out this win for Nomadland with um with Chloe Zhao and they just they don't even give her the chance to, like celebrate as best picture like they don't give her that moment not that they knew it would be her but I mean odds were and instead they just tried to like have this big like oh look Chadwick aren't we cool and instead they just showed that like oh wait we're not that cool yet you know but see like i can get behind the academy as racist for a lot of things but this just doesn't even make sense to me because ma rainey's black bottom is a showbiz movie which they notoriously like it's based on a play by a playwright that they like and have given awards to previously it's a very like oscar-y nomination it's not like they're giving him an award for something that was a little bit more fringy and mm-hmm. I mean, like, 
and Anthony Hopkins has already won. Like I realize that we that you like Anthony Hopkins and he's very good in The Father, but it's I don't know. It just feels so strange. Now Frances McDormand winning does sort of feel like, oh uh, well, like, <laughs> we like her and whatever because Viola Davis is sitting right there, Carrie Mulligan is sitting right there. Like both of them, I think, are giving better performances and more interesting performances. But I mean, I Frances know. McDormand just she she convinces that she's just staring out at that at that field for 20 minutes straight, you know? Like, I believed she, that she was sitting there, so... I, I did believe that she was pooping <laughs> in a bucket acting. in her van, so, yeah. you know? Yeah, not no, I mean, pull that off. I, I think I said on my roundup that I really liked Riz Ahmed's performance in Sound of Metal, and I felt like it was technically oh, yeah. a stronger performance than Chadwick Boseman in um, mm-hmm. Ma Rainey. I haven't seen The Father. I'm sure, you know, technically he earned it. Like, he did a great job. Like, I don't think this is a situation where people are like, what? Like, you know, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it is unfortunate that they tried to gear up for this big, like, (laughs) moment. And then it just ended up going to this you know and and now it's the the stories are all like oh he couldn't even bother to show up and i don't think that's true at all like i anthony hopkins did not need to be there and they shouldn't have had his win be the last thing and i just think it was a huge mistake all around and he released a very nice statement that did acknowledge chadwick boseman like yeah anthony hopkins i think is a very nice person and it was yeah, like didn't ha, did not think that he was going to win and is very old. So <laughs> yeah. there's a reason why he wasn't going to this event in the time of COVID and whatever. So I don't know. The whole thing was just I mean, usually I love these award shows and I love the Oscars, but this just sucked and was so <laughs> snoozy. And I was like, next year, we better be back to like, I want to host. I want big production numbers. Like I want a massive crowd. I want them giving out pizza to people like <laughs> I want the whole like pre-covid situation of of wild craziness i want them bringing in truckloads of normal people and sticking them on the stage and you know acrobats coming from the ceiling and drunk people like give me everything i don't want anything that was similar to this (laughs) well it's over and now you get a nine month um ceremony to look for a nine month period to to get your movies in i guess yeah, I know. I know. Well, and I've still only seen three movies from 2021 <laughs> so far. So it might be a weak lineup. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of talking about things we hate, I'm excited because next week is my birthday episode. And um, it took me a long time to figure out who I wanted to talk about. But I decided I'd break from our usual, you know, actor uh, filmography style uh, deep dive and I wanted to I wanted to talk about someone who's I've just always just <laughs> disliked a little bit. And it kind of feels like I feel about him the way Michael Scott in the office feels about Toby. And it's just, why are you the way that you are? And that is Justin Bieber. So <laughs> it'll be fun because I sort of like Justin Bieber. And yeah. this will give me an excuse to watch the sorry music video another <laughs> 45 times. Yeah, there are things about him I like, but there are things about him that I am just like, oh, okay. So we'll be talking about that, but also exciting for anyone looking for more PS Your Own content. We officially have a Patreon, so um, you should definitely check that out if you're interested. We are doing a couple fun options for people who 
you know, need a little bit more us in their lives. And um, you can check that out at patreon.com backslash PS you're wrong. Um, and I hope that you guys find value in it, but obviously no pressure. We love to hear from you guys however you feel like engaging. And that includes our social media. We're at PS You're Wrong on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also send us your thoughts and email form at PSYourong at gmail.com. Yeah. And we'll be back next Thursday, I guess, with the special birthday episode. So we'll see you guys then. Bye.